All right, well, it seems like God has been up to something um, I wasn't aware of, but, you know, he's been stirring it up here for about a month now, right? He's been on this, this journey, this theme, uh, learning about how to, like, better discern and perceive him. Um, you know, what he's doing in our lives. And last week, Annette brought us a, a fresh and a new perspective on, on the significance and, and the power, the, the, really the significance and the power of the blood of Jesus. I mean, it's just an amazing message. If you didn't catch it, um, grab it online. It's on Facebook, YouTube, whatever. There's text of it out there on our website. Um, you know, you can, you can always catch the audio too. We have podcasted. It. it works on Androids now, finally. I finally figured that one out. Sorry, I'm a little slow on the draw sometimes, but also on your Apple devices, you can subscribe to our podcast um, to, to catch these at any time. But it's really cool because she, you know, for those of you who are here, you know, she provided the uh, historical and cultural context that really helped bring an awareness to things that I hadn't even realized before. Uh, just a new level of depth of understanding that really helped us to better perceive the significance of, of why Jesus chose to and really had to shed his blood and what it really meant to to form a blood covenant um, you know and even though that event happened thousands of years ago it still boldly declares the value that jesus places on your life and mine and the life of those in the community even those who deny his existence that didn't stop him from giving his everything for us didn't stop the love that jesus has for them, right? That's just how deep his love is. This morning, we're going back yet again to Matthew 13. If you want to turn and get ahead of me here, Matthew 13. We're going back there again. It's, it's like Jesus is up to something, you know? And this time, we're going to be uh, taking a look at, uh, again, the, these parables that are recorded in this chapter. Several parables that Jesus spoke, which led his disciples to ask this. Um, they asked, why do you speak to people in parables? And again, we're going to read this again. In verse 11, Jesus replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. Point your neighbor and say, they've been given to you. You. They've been given to you. They've been given to you. That's right, Lily, even to you. Sorry, I just, I just wanted to pick on whoever wasn't looking at me at the time. So I can't look over that way because I'm just going to be like, I'm just so baby crazed right now. I just love it. Love it. I got a brand new niece and it's just like, oh, yeah. It just Babies are awesome. I love it. Love, love it. Then they grow up to be teenagers. Now look at them. They ain't so cute and cuddly. You try to hug one of those guys and they try to get away from you like you got the plague or something, you know? <laughs> Anyways. Okay. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. So neither, neither. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. But whoever doesn't have even what they have will be taken away from them. That's why I speak to people in parables. Jesus said, though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they don't hear or understand. So prayerfully this morning, we will be ones that intentionally choose to cast off our thoughts and our ways and our opinions and to really hear what Jesus is saying and to really see what he is doing, to understand it and to perceive it. So we cast off, we, we, so we don't respond to the things of the world the way that the world does. We, we don't have to fear. We, we've, we have authority, we have boldness, we have, we have the truth. <laughs> 
We have the truth that sets people free. So many people believe so many lies that keep them in bondage, but we've got truth that brings freedom and liberty. <laughs> it also brings justice in the end. Jesus is going to make everything right, right? Glad I've been saved. I want everyone else to be saved. I don't want to be on the other side of that justice. You know, I want to be on the salvation side when, when, when he took on the weight of my sin. I don't have to carry it myself. Jesus gave a few parables that emphasize the rich, rich reward that is waiting for those who seek after the treasures of the kingdom of heaven. In just a few simple sentences. Skip down to verse 44. Jesus said it this way. The kingdom of heaven, because people are like, what's it like? What is heaven like? What is the kingdom like? It's like a treasure that's hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy... Get that? In his joy, he sold everything that he had, and he bought that field. In his joy, he gave everything away, and he bought that field. It was worth that much. Again, in verse 45, the kingdom of heaven, it's like a merchant who is searching for fine pearls. When he found one, just one of great value... He went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. So people get caught up on the tithe, you know, 10%. Well, Jesus lets you keep more than the government of the United States of America does. I mean, like, come on, you know. <laughs> he, he, he trusts you with 90%, you know. But I, I challenge everybody. In the New Testament, yes, we obediently, we don't want to rob from God. We don't want to, you know, we, we give him our tithes and offerings, but... Man, if we're still counting the cost, if we still think, Jesus, you get 10%, not a penny more, the rest is mine. You haven't seen the kingdom that has been opened up to you. You haven't seen the value because it's not about money or finances. You're like, Jesus, take everything I am, 100%. I am yours and everything I have is yours. Under the new covenant, I challenge you to say it ain't 10%, it's 100%. He doesn't want you withholding anything from him. Why? Because he wants to bless not 10% of your life. He wants to bless 100% of your life. And then in verse 52, he go on, And Jesus said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven. Is it, got any disciples here? Anyone? Disciples of Jesus? Yeah, we, we got 10% of y'all who are disciples. <laughs> Disciples of Jesus were following him. If you're a disciple in the kingdom of heaven, you're like this. You're like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. And I love, I love this analogy that Jesus gives of the kingdom of heaven being like this, this house that's yours. It's been given to you. And you get to run around this house. Like, whenever I was little, I would watch, you know, I grew up in the 90s, I'd watch these movies of, like, you know, the, the kids that they're given. In all honesty, this is, I know this analogy has been used before. I think it's actually our one's men conference with Jamie Holden. He's like, it's kind of like we're the Beverly Hillbillies. We've been given this mansion. We've been given access to the kingdom of heaven. And that's really what we're like. We don't understand what we've been given. You know, we're eating on the pool table. We're, we're passing, you know. We're using the cue stick to pass around the food to each other. And There's that bell again. I, I, I reckon there's someone at the front door, you know. <laughs> like, we don't understand what's happening. We've, been, we've entered into this kingdom 
that is so unlike the world that we've been living in up to this day. But we, Jesus said that the king of heaven is like, we own this house, and there's all these storehouses. There's all these rooms that store all these treasures. And we get to go and explore them and bring them out. And I love, like, what Annette did last week was she brought this old, old treasure out. You know, we all heard the old, old story, how the Savior came from glory, right? We've, we've heard that before. But she brought out that old treasure, and it was new again because of this, this manifold wisdom of God, because of the, the perspectives that we get. Nothing is old in the kingdom of God. When you bring out a, a verse, a treasure, or whatever, a principle of the word, the Spirit's just like, and he breathes new breath of life into it. And you see it from a new perspective. And that's what I love about the kingdom of God. This world is so boring, you know? Everything's the same. Although it's really not, you know? <laughs> I can't even say that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. It's, what do, this world is not boring and always the same. What does God's word say about this, this creation? You can, when you see the creation, you see the Lord. And you don't look at a single sunrise and ever see the same sunrise. It's different every stinking day. I've been alive for almost 40 years now, and it's different every morning. And every night, the sunset, like it's different. It just blows me away, you know? The same thing happens, but there's something different about it. And it's no different in the kingdom of God, the kingdom that he, this, this, this earthly kingdom that he created, it reflects the creator. And every day there's something new. It's so cool. And, and, and the more that we're like exploring, like we're realizing that there's even new stuff out in space, even though the same constellations have been around forever, like things are changing out there, you know? The, the more powerful telescopes we get, the more probes we fly out there, you know, millions of years, light years away or whatever, you know, we're, we're learning more and more and more. It's just so cool. We get to see things from a new perspective. Paul explained it this way. If you want to turn to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. Paul explained it this way. As he brought out the old written word of God. That, that treasure. He received the grace of God that enabled him to see and experience a truth from the written word of God that was hidden. With that, that, that same word that had been passed down from generation, 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 generation. Like, I don't know. I, I, I can't think of anything to liken it to. But it's kind of like there's an heirloom that's passed down, um, I, I don't know, uh, um, I don't even know what, an, whatever, I'm, come on spirit, like, uh, I, I don't know, like, uh, yeah, anyways, what are those, uh, ch those chests called, the, the cedar chest, hope chests, that's what they're called, hope chests, just don't know what they are, but y'all from other generations get it, right, you've had hope chests, or, Okay, I see some head shaking. Yes, I don't know what they are. But anyways, it would be like if there was this hope chest that was passed down for like six generations, and then it gets passed down to Nate, and he like opens it up, and he slides the bottom over, and like there's all this stuff that you'd never seen before, like pictures of your family. And it's, it's like all of a sudden there's something new there. It had been passed down from generations, and no one ever saw it before. That's what this is like. Like, Paul was passed down, the same word has been passed down for generations, I mean like 40 generations, that's a lot of generations, and he says this, he said in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 2, let me get to the point, um, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, okay, so, I'm sorry, I just feel like being... I, I like object lessons, and it's been so long since I've done one because they're so much fun that I just got to kind of apply it. So, okay, so God's grace has been administered to me for you. So can't do that to your neighbor. God's grace was given to me for you, right? 
It's a biblical truth. God's grace has been given to me for you. If we could grab a hold of that, like our lives would change. It would look a lot different. (laughs) And then he said, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation. There was a mystery that was made known to Paul by the means of revelation. Something was revealed to him, something he had never seen before, he, something new that he understood. Now understand that when I talk about these kinds of things, this is not mysticism. This isn't about some like hidden numeric system that you watch on the History Channel that unlocks the secrets of the Bible. It's not that kind of thing. God's Word doesn't operate that way. There's, it's just, it's there, you've just never seen it before. Parables, get it? That's what Jesus said. That's why I speak in parables. He speaks it very plainly, very clearly. Everybody can understand it, but not everybody can perceive it. Everybody can hear it, but not everyone can understand it. You see what I mean? And it's really the spirit within that's the key to unlocking all these things. So, he said there's a mystery that was made known to me by Revelation that I've already written about briefly. Okay, so he was brief about it. He wrote about it. He said, in regarding this, in, or I'm sorry, in regarding this, in reading this, I can't read this morning, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. The revelation was given to Paul, but it wasn't for Paul. It was for, well, in this case, it's the Ephesians, the the church in Ephesus, right? It was given to him for them to understand. He said, this is a mystery uh, about Christ. It was insight in the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the spirits of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery was finally revealed. Why? Because it was a now word. It was always the word of God, but the time came right for it to bust open and to be revealed. There's a time for everything in heaven and in earth, and it's no different with God's word. Sometimes you could memorize a verse and it means nothing to you, but at just the right time, you have that aha moment. That's what you were talking about. That's why I encourage you, write down your prayers. Write down the things you hear God say. Write down a verse that jumps out at you, even if it makes no sense to you. Just like that song, Deep Cries Out to Deep, made no sense to me. But make note of it, because it's just the right time. That revelation will burst forth, and who knows what it'll do in your life, but it's going to be good. It's going to be powerful, okay? So, we continue reading here. I don't want to spend too, too much time here, but it's just it's so cool to think about. For all of these generations, all of these prophets wrote down these words that they didn't even understand. They weren't writing it down for themselves. They were writing it down so that thousands of years later, some dude named Paul could get saved, and then we're going to read later, reach an unreached people. It's so cool. Then he goes on and he uh, says, this mystery is, in verse 6, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. Now that's blasphemous words to most of the Jews of that day. Gentiles are scum of the earth. You don't talk to them. You don't eat with them. You want nothing to do with them. I know, but that's what they said. They're they're rude people. um, This whole time, they were carrying the word that revealed this, but they didn't see it that way. 
Why? Because their hearts were hardened. Go back to Matthew 13. But anyways, in verse 7, Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel. And he was a Jew of Jews. He hated the Gentiles. He hated Christians. He was commissioned to go and to stop people from preaching that ridiculous name of Jesus. Just stop talking about it, stop preaching in it, stop declaring about it. He was putting them in prison. He was standing there giving approval to Stephen as he was stoned to death. The same guy is now getting called to serve those people. God has a sense of humor. I love it. <laughs> the same people he hated and despised, he's now not only one of them, but he is being called to reach people so they would also become one of them. Like, I, just, I love it. He talks about it pretty often. But anyways... He said that he became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me through the working of his power. It's all about him, not about Paul, right? It's all about God's gift, God's grace, the working of God's power. He said it in verse 8, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, because we know his history. That's why he doesn't think very highly of himself, right? Because of what he had done, he knows what he deserves, I mean, he martyred the first Christian. He knows what he deserves, but God's grace said, I'm going to give you something good instead, right? God's grace is working power in your life, too. You're not getting what you deserve. You're not being treated as your sins deserve. You're getting treated like a son and daughter of God. You're getting treated like royalty, princes and princesses in his kingdom. You get to run around the mansion and find all these fun treasures, and they're yours! you done nothing to earn them or deserve them, but they're yours. He freely gives them to you anyways. And then he goes on. He says, although I'm the I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace is given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, to make it plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, for which ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and the authorities, even in heavenly realms, according to God's eternal purpose, that he, wow, think about this, that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Jesus and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and with confidence. It's just so cool to think about this. That God had kept this secret in plain sight for generations. So that only through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. It was like that, that Easter egg I talked about a few weeks ago. That Easter egg, honey, he was keeping them hidden for you. For just the right time, right? Your eggs might be up in the attic right now if you do that kind of thing. And if you think it's blasphemous, please forgive me. We don't have any eggs in our attic anymore. Woo! We got eggs in the church attic. Just don't tell anyone who doesn't agree with it. <laughs> Just don't let them know, okay? Shh, it's our little secret. <laughs> they're, they're hidden. They're out of sight. But they're being kept for just the right time, for just the right purpose. And when they come, they're going to bring joy, right? Yeah, God has secrets in his kingdom that he has for you. And they're in plain sight. They're right here. Plain sight. It's been passed down for generations and generations. 
It's right here. It's right here. But yet they're secrets and they're hidden. And at just the right time, you open it up and you're like, wow, how have I never seen that before? I've read that so many times, but I've never, ever seen it that way before. It's exciting. Every time you open up your Bible, it's like an Easter egg hunt. Come on, right? There's treasures. You're like the clamp that's running through your new mansion you've been given. There's treasures. And you're like, oh, this thing is so cool. No idea what it does. I don't know what this means, but it seems so cool, you know? And then God gets to teach you and instruct you. This is what, <laughs> I love the, the, the phrase in the Bible, and I think there's even a band called it, like, these are they, or I am they, that's it, I am they. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so cool. It seems so grammatically inaccurate, I am they, but it's true. And it's from the word of God. Prophets that lived like four or 5,000 years ago wrote about you. How cool is that? Jesus prayed for you. He literally prayed for you. It's recorded in John chapter 17. Like you start seeing these things and like, that's me. I am they. It's just exciting. It's so cool. And it's so quiet. Anyways. <laughs> I got a little secret. There, <laughs> there's a reason that I haven't given up this thing, you know, because I'm not going to lie. When I worship, I either have to be staring at this or closing my eyes because if I, it's like, you know, dance like no one's watching. If I look at everybody who's watching, I won't be able to do it, you know. It's no different than preaching. It's like sometimes I'm preaching to myself up here. It's just it's so much fun, you know, what God reveals. Um, so it's okay. Maybe that'll help you in your worship. Close your eyes. Pretend you're alone in the shower, okay? Keep your clothes on, okay? <laughs> Keep your clothes on, but... <laughs> Dance and sing like no one's watching. Like it's just you and Jesus, you know? There's where there's freedom in worship. There's where there's freedom to just explore his word. Question God. Challenge God. He's not afraid of it. He knows everything, and he's going to reveal it to you, right? Okay, so we receive. This is so cool. God intended that through the church, through you and I, that we would see God's kingdom from different perspectives, and we would see the wisdom that is found in his word. That's why I don't understand why, like, when we get together for Bible studies, it's so punily attended, because it's like, there's the manifold wisdom right there. That's a different perspective. I've never read it that way, never thought about it that way. I didn't know that about that historical, cultural context. I didn't know that. But you learn from each other, and then together, through the church, you get this manifold wisdom of God, and you see things the way you've never seen them before. It's, it's like it's brand new. It's just fresh, and it's exciting, you know? But God intended not only that we would receive that revelation, that we'd receive these riches, not only for ourselves as they're revealed, but also that we would freely make them known. I, I think it's crazy to think that I could reveal something to angels. Angels dwell in the heavenly realms. They're in the presence of God. They've been in the throne room, right? Here I am. I'm dirt that God breathed into. <laughs> it's pretty much all that I am, you know? But yet I have been shown mysteries that the Bible says angels have longed to look into. The Bible says that we have been given revelation that for ages the prophets long to see and to know. And then here we are, and Jesus is just like, boop, there you go, freely gives it to you. 
You know, you're like the clampets. It's just, it's awesome. You know, you're out there chasing rabbit. Next thing you know, you got, you know, black, black gold, you know, just coming up from the depths, you know, digging up deep, deep wells. I'm never thinking that song again. Now, see, how cool is that? <laughs> next thing you know, old gentleman, you know, <laughs> next thing you know, old Steve's a, I don't know, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Becky's even here, and I'm still off my rockers. Okay, anyways. <laughs> but it's so cool that this is the way the kingdom works. I love the way the kingdom works. He will equip and empower you. He will administer his grace to you. But it ain't for you. It's for someone else. It's not about, like, it's so cool. And that's why, have boldness of faith. If somebody needs something, we should be like, God, Give me that gift. Give me that gift. No bad. I wanted so badly to see Billy healed this morning. Like to the point that I was literally in tears and I don't cry all that much. You can ask Becky. You probably don't think so because it happens more in this building than it does anywhere else. But like I just want to see her healed. It was killing me that it was not manifesting, you know? I don't know, but you know, we should all be at that point when we see a need out there like... I think if we were like that, God would be more generous toward us because it's not about us wanting something for ourselves. It's about us wanting something to help others. That's the kingdom of God. So we can administer God's grace out to others in all of its various forms. It's not just about deliverance and healing. It's about providing practical needs, food and clothing. It's about providing encouragement. It's about being able to oversee things so it's not chaos, or it's at least organized chaos. You know? There's all these different gifts that God has given to his body. Do you know the first time in mankind's history that the Holy Spirit was poured out into somebody's life? Not onto somebody, into somebody's life. It's back in Deuteronomy. And do you know what the Holy Spirit equipped those men to do? To do carpentry. Literally to do carpentry and to do all these beautiful weaving works and engraving. It was to do skills of trade, craft, you know. It was skills of trade that the Holy Spirit enabled mankind to do when he first was poured out. Like, you can't devalue those things, you know. It's just, it's incredible. Just, but anyways... What's revealed to us is not for us, it's really for others. And it's, it's what we do with that revelation that matters. And you guys know this scripture, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. We all know, we know that all of us possess knowledge, right? Not all of us. Now, some of us might not be the sharpest tools in the shed, but there's still some things you know, right? We all possess some level of knowledge. <laughs> not all of us have doctors for children, you know, some of us here. But anyways, <laughs> all of us possess some level of knowledge. But this is what... God's word says about knowledge. This knowledge puffs us up, but love builds us up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he, doesn't, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Knowledge build, puffs up, but love builds up. It's all about what you do with knowledge that matters. If you want to gain knowledge just so you're better than someone else and you can make them feel stupid, you've missed the whole point of what knowledge is about. You know, why do some of us have, you know, doctors as children? So that they can help people. So when your heart decides, I don't know, what, what does a, 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 not a philanthropist, I always want to say that, not a phlebotomist, a perfusionist. Yes, yeah, see, I don't even know what it is. You know, 
if, if you need a perfusionist, you know, there's somebody there that can help you out. And you can explain it later, what, what Gabby does, you know. Okay, yeah, Gabby can explain to us what she does, but... There you go, yeah. If you ever have to have heart surgery, yeah, she'll... So it's like a mechanical, I don't know, anyways, it's so cool. It's cool to think about. <laughs> and then he's also got a drug dealer for a daughter, so I don't know, whatever, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what I tell people my wife does for a living, you know. She's a drug dealer, no, pharmacist. <laughs> In the legal realm, pharmacist, pharmacy tech, you know. But anyways, I'm sorry, I keep digressing, and there was a purpose behind all this. Oh, th that's the thing. They gain knowledge. Not so they can just make a bunch of money or be smarter than everyone else in Dayton and come back and make everyone look stupid. They did those things. They went out and they got knowledge and they paid dearly for it, I'm sure, so they can help people, so that they can fulfill what they feel God has called them to do and what God has called them to be, so they can help people. That's the difference between knowledge and, and love, you know? Knowledge, if it's not expressed through love, 1 Corinthians 13 goes on to say that you're just like a clanging symbol, you know? You've been given an administration of God's grace. You've been given spiritual gifts and natural gifts, and you've been given knowledge, and we gain knowledge. But what are we doing with what we've received? Are we building people up, or are we puffing ourselves up? Consider this. This is someone who lived 600 years before the birth of Jesus. Put this in time frame here. 600 years before the birth of Jesus. And he was given incredible revelation. I mean, you, you know, we listen to our, our YouTube prophets. You ought to hear what this guy was shown. Powerful revelations. He was shown such weighty and, and such fullness of secrets about the kingdom of heaven that literally one time when Jesus came to him and gave him this revelation, he fainted. You know, that happens in the church. And you're like, they're flaky. No, this happened in the Bible. This is biblical. This is kingdom stuff. He was out cold. And in fact, he wasn't just out for the rest of the church service. He was laid out cold for days. This, this knowledge and this revelation was so heavy that he was actually sick. Sick, ill for days. This guy was Daniel, if you don't know already, right? Good old Danny boy. Belshazzar, right? My kids know his name is Belshazzar because when they were toddlers and we got in the car and they were in their toddler seats, I'm always like, Belshazzar! And that was a reminder to put your belt on, you know. Anyways, it's fun living in the Kramer household. All kinds of silly things. But anyways, listen to his heart. Listen to his motive. Listen to his humility. And what he chose to do with God's little bit of revelation, that is why God said, you know what? What did Jesus say in Matthew 13? You were faithful with little? Boom! Get ready for more! Whoa! You were faithful with that? You're still humble about that? Oh boy, do I got some good stuff for you. Whoa! Even more! And it laid him out for days. I can't imagine learning something that made me sick like that. I mean, I've learned some stuff about our history that makes me sick, but not in this way, you know? Ah, think of, this is what, I'm just going to go into it. Okay, so anyways, Daniel chapter 2, verse, um, uh, yeah, where am I at? 26 to 30. You guys know more from up there than I know from my notes. Then the king, who is Nebuchadnezzar, not a good guy, right? Nebi, right? He's not, not, a, good, not a good king. Um, asked Daniel, who is also called Belshazzar, 
Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? <laughs> if you don't know the backstory, this is pretty bold. Hey, you, what did I dream last night? Oh, yeah, and interpret it, you know? That's pretty bold. And guess what? If Daniel didn't do it, he was going to die. <laughs> Literally. This is how disturbed king, the king was and how little the king cared about human life. He really didn't care. If you don't know the whole, anyways, read, read your story about how Daniel ended up here. Um, just brutal stuff. But anyways, Daniel said, listen, no one, no wise man, no enchanter, no magician, no diviner can explain to the king the mystery that he has asked about. No one can know this thing. Nobody. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. You got everything you need. You got everything you need. I'm nobody, but there is a God in heaven. <laughs> and please, Lord, help me now because I have no idea. You know, <laughs> that's okay. That's probably how he was feeling in this moment. He said, But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were laying in bed are these. As your majesty was laying there, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. Not because I have greater wisdom. What? Oh, I'm ahead of myself. Yeah, thank you. I do that often in life, huh? Not because of me. Not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive. This is what Daniel said in verse 29. God revealed it to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that you, your majesty, may know the interpretation, so that you may understand what went through your own mind. Matthew 13, right here it is, back in Daniel. Why was he given such revelation? Because of how he handled it. He was very humble. He said, it's all about God. And guess what else he said? Even the interpretation that God gave me, it's not for me. God only did this for you. You see, it's not about, <laughs> you sure know this, it's not about what we know, it's about who we know. No one can do this, but there's a God in heaven who can. Nothing's too hard for him, right? It's not about what's revealed to us. It's about what we do with that revelation. Because it's not about us. It's all about God and others. I'm just a humble servant through whom he uses. I'm just a channel. I'm just a conduit. I'm just the copper PVC tubing hidden in these walls that you're happy about every time you flush the toilet, you know? <laughs> probably a bad analogy but anyways right but sorry yeah. let me rewind that i'm like the pvc or copper pipe that's hidden behind those walls that you're excited about when you go to get a drink at the water fountain i won't tell you it's the same water from the same source but anyways <laughs> it is <laughs> I do not recommend drinking out of the back of your toilet bowl, though. I just, you know, something cringy about that. Uh, 
What time is it? You guys are getting hungry for lunch. You have to be because I am. Um, anyways, <laughs> but that's, that, that is the point is we should be hidden like the pipes in the walls. We're hidden. All that we want is to be a vessel so that God's revelation can be poured out through us. Not so that I'm puffed up and that I'm anything, but so that I can bring refreshing, so I can bring a fresh, you know, like the water fountain, forget the toilet, the water fountain, you know, a fresh drink to somebody. Think about Jesus and the woman at the well. I have a source of water that you can drink from and you'll never get thirsty again. I've got a river, right, of living water. It's in here. It's in my soul. It's because of the Holy Spirit. You've got it. Like Daniel, you've got it. And if you're faithful with the little things, I don't even want to say he's going to give you greater. The little things are the greater things. Come on. Read through your Bible. The little things are the big things. The little steps of obedience, that is, God did the big thing. All the people did is a little thing. Uh, all that Elijah did was make fun of the people. Oh, maybe God's asleep. Maybe he's using the toilet. He literally said this. This isn't me potty talking, by the way. Maybe he's up there doing his business, you know. Maybe you just need to wake up. <laughs> All that Elijah did was prepare an altar, make fun of the God that's not a God, and then the fire fell, you know. All, we prepare the altar. We are the sacrifice. We give 100%, then the fire of God falls. The revelation of God falls. The power of God falls. We're just conduits. Here's another thing that I want to take away from the scripture. We know how evil and wicked the king was. Even in the book of Revelation, it talks about the kingdom of Babylon. How evil and wicked this man was. But because he set his mind to things ahead, this was not demonic revelation. God gave him this revelation. Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, I want to know what's coming. And God showed it to him. And God revealed it to him. And God interpreted it to him. If he's going to do that for King Nebuchadnezzar, how much more will he do it for his children? Who do that, where, where is it? Who turn their minds to things to come. See, the devil wants you to be thinking about right here, right now, what's happening he wants you to be overwhelmed and consumed by worry and anxiety and oppression. He wants you to be consumed about everything that's happening here and now. So that you are overwhelmed. So that you are inadequate. So you're incompetent. So you're just whatever. Then if he can't trip you up there, he's like, oh, remember what you did? He'll start turning your mind to the past. He'll start criticizing you and tearing you apart. And Man, he'll do everything that he can possibly do to keep you from doing this. Turn your mind to things yet to come. Because if you do that, if God will reveal it to King Nebuchadnezzar, how much more will he... He called you a nation of prophets. He called you a nation of priests. By the way, that includes priestesses and prophetesses. You know, We are the kingdom. I am they. If you turn your mind to things to come, you think God's not going to reveal it? Yeah. So when the enemy's trying to get you to be consumed with right here, right now, or what happened yesterday, just start turning your mind to things ahead. It's only because King Nebuchadnezzar did that that God met him in that place and revealed it. Okay. Side note aside. 
Um, but I got to skip ahead a little. Yeah, you don't want to hear any of this stuff, I'm sure. Um, well, maybe. Well, I'll, I'll take a little bit out of it. Let's see. Uh, da -da -da -da. But how many times do we do this? God has how many different rooms in his kingdom? How many different storehouses does he have that is full of treasures, new and old, but we never take the time to go explore them? We're too busy. Or we just, you know, we go back to what's familiar. I don't want to read that book because it's just, I don't want to read Lamentations. Like, I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to hear people lament. I hear that enough every day of my life. Like, you know, but if we turned to those places and we said, God, here I am. I am they. <laughs> it's going to be my new favorite phrase. I am they. Give me your eyes to see. Give me your ears to hear what you're saying. And then you open the word and you just let God speak to you. Then you start seeing like, man, I can't believe that I, I, I can't believe I stopped reading this book. There's, there's such good stuff here. Then you grab your highlighter and you're like, you know, you don't get that same effect on, on the digital Bible, you know, but, you know, and this thing, you know, you got like yellow pages because there's good stuff there, but you just, you didn't want to go there because why? It was confusing to me. I didn't understand it. I didn't grasp it. You got the Holy Spirit within you, the one who wrote it. He'll reveal it to you. He'll help you to understand it, and so on and so forth. After all, God's word is what? It is alive and active. You can't ever go back to an old word that's just old. It's fresh manna. It's new. It's fresh wine. It's being poured out. Alive and active. It does not change but we are ever-changing. Our lives are ever-changing, right? It doesn't change, but our understanding and our perception is always maturing and growing and, and increasing. Our tent pegs are always getting taken out, right? That was the old school way of saying that, I think, right? You know, he's going to move your tent pegs, you know, greater revelation, greater authority, great, a, a greater level in the kingdom. God's word doesn't change, but he's always speaking a fresh word through the word. He's always speaking new. It's alive and it is active. What we need in our lives isn't some new idea or philosophy, some kind of new discovery found by human wisdom. What we need is to hear God's voice. His active voice. The reason he gave us his word and he preserved it for all these generations is because it contains new treasures for you. It contains a new ministry for you. He wants it to connect you to him. He wants that relationship so that you're going to it, but you're hearing him. It's about him. It's about him. It's about him. It's not about us. Um... First Corinthians 2. I'm going to end on this. I'm going to end on this here. Am I? I've said that before and I've lied so many times. All right. You know what? I might just save this for later. I'm saving this for next week. Neater, neater. Nope. Mm -mm. Uh, okay. All right. I'm saving for next week. Don't look on the internet. I got to, mm, man, I got to take that. Anyways. Anyways, God has some amazing amazing things that he wants to share with you he has brand new fresh revelations 
Brand new, fresh revelations. Just for you. Think about that. God gave a prophetic word to Isaiah for Seth. God gave a prophetic word to Daniel for Stan. How cool is that to think about? He spoke to some dude centuries ago so that God could use his writing to speak to me here and now. Like, how awesome is our God? God must be like eternal or something, right? <laughs> I love it. So let's close in prayer. And then I'll let Lisa speak because she looks anxious to share something. So, Jesus, we thank you that you are alive and active. You're not some old God that was written about in history that ceased to exist when that culture died off. You are the one true living God. You spoke to every tongue, tribe, and nation throughout the span of history. And you are still speaking today through what will be history. You are the eternal God. So Lord, give me your eyes to see and to perceive what you're doing. Give me your ears to hear what you are speaking so that I can understand, so that my heart won't fear, but will be encouraged. Help me not to fix my mind on all the troubles of this life. Because after all, you said that tomorrow holds its own troubles and they're still coming our way. <laughs> Help us to shift our mindset and our focus from troubles to you, Jesus. From the trouble to the solution. From the creation to the creator. Help us like King Nebuchadnezzar. Help us to be like King Nebuchadnezzar. Never thought I'd pray that in my life before. In regard to looking ahead to what you have planned and purposed for me. And I thank you that you're going to speak it prophetically. More than that, you're going to bring it to pass because it's all about you, Jesus. Thank you for your love for me in your name. Amen.